Okay, we're up to the beginning of Dafir Aleph and Aleph. Hechi Dami Shemus Mavakin. So, if we remember what the Mishnah said, is that if you have a, a star, a monetary document that's signed by Goyesha courts with Goyesha Edim, it's kosher because Dina Machusadina. Then the Mishnah said that if a, if it's a get is signed by Gaisha Adam, it's possible. Rev Shimon is Machshir, Rev Shimon said it's fine. Why? Because Rev Shimon follows Rev Yezer, that you don't need Adam at all. So even if they're Goyim, it's fine. But then the Gemara said, but wait a minute, even if they're Goyim, it should be a problem because aren't you concerned that while technically it should be fine by a get because you don't need Adam, but people are going to rely and use those same witnesses to sign a monetary document or other, other documents. If, meaning, why are you lenient by a get? You should answer it because it might come to lead them to use it to a monetary document that's not done by the court system. So the Gemara said that Revel- Shimon is only lenient by Shemus Mavakim. Shemus Mavakim means they're very Christian names. They have religious connotations, so they're clearly Goyim. So as long as it's clear, the Gemara of Shimon, if they're Jews, great. If they're Goyim, it better be clear that they're Goyim so that no one would apply to you, no one would come to use them for other things because they'll know, oh, these are Goyim, and they were only lenient because it's a get, and you don't need Adam by a get. But because it's so clearly that it's Christian and religious, no one would come to use it by other documents. So, Hechi Dami Shames of what are examples of names that are religious? Amra Papa, Kigayin Hormiz, Avdina, Bar Shivtoi, Bar Kidri. Bati, Nakum, and Una. Those are names that, that uh, it was like Christian, Christian sin for them. Those are the names that were very, very religious in nature, and it was very clear that they're guys. So now, according to Roshimin, Roshimin is only lenient by religious names. But if it's non-religious name, what's the halacha loy? It's, it's, it's also. So even Roshimin, when he says it's mutter by get, it's dafka religious names. But non-religious names is an issue. So here's the question. aditani seifa. You see, there was a line in the Mishnah that I sort of read quickly. It's a little bit strange. Again, the Mishnah is makel by um, monetary documents that are written in courts. Then it's strict by a get. Reb Shimon is lenient by a get. And then the last line, which was seemingly said by Reb Shimon, is loy huskru It's only a problem when it's done outside of courts. Now, the simple reading of that is that Reb Shimon is saying, I'm only lenient by a get if it's religious names. And only if it's done outside, if it's done in the courts. But outside the courts is an issue. Why this would be, I have no idea. But says the Gemara, if if Rav Shimon wants to show you that he's not always lenient, so why say that he's strict if it's done outside of the courts? Just say the following. Just say the following. Why doesn't the Mishnah just say, if you want to show uh, that Rav Shimon has discrepancy in his opinions, that he's not always lenient, instead of saying, I'm only lenient when it's done inside the court system, just say, I'm lenient by religious names, and non-religious names, I'm strict. Why not stick with that? So the Gemara says, The truth is, that, that's what he means. When he says... Ba'med, this is what how you're supposed to read his opinion. Rav Shimon is leaning by a get that's written by, with Goyesha names. Ba'med this is only true when they're religious names. But if they're non-religious names, then nasa kemisha nasu It's like a a get with non-religious names is like a loan document that was done outside of court, which is possible. So when he says that it's only true. Uh, it's only an issue when it's outside of court. What he means is non-religious names by a get is like a monetary document made outside of court. That's an issue because when it's in court, it's dina machus dina, and outside of court, it's an issue. Or Iba Yisim another answer, and that is very similar to what we just said, and that is the last line in the Mishnah was not authored by Rav Shimon at all. The Mishnah, this is how you're supposed to read it. 
Starts off by saying a loan document in court is fine because din machus adina. A get signed by a guy is an issue. Rav Shimon's leaning with a get signed by a guy because he follows Rav Eliezer. And the last line is not Rav Shimon, it's going back. And loan documents, that which we said loan documents are fine, it's only okay when it's in court. Outside of court is a problem. So according to this, it's not Rav Shimon at all. It's the author of the original part of the Mishnah. Say for us and This is how you're supposed to read the end of the Mishnah. Monetary documents are only okay when it's in court, but it's puzzle when it's outside of court. So the last line is not a reference to Gitin at all, it's going back to monetary documents. Okay. Now we said in the Mishnah that according to Rav Shimon, Rav Shimon is lenient by religious names. Because again, the whole issue would be, are people going to apply this to other documents? And when it's religious names, it's clearly not an issue. Now this version, we're going to quote a Brisa that Rav Shimon, that there's a new opinion, Rav Shimon Gamliel, who doesn't hold of that. Rav Shimon Gamliel is not lenient by religious names. Rather, he's only, because religious names, he says, is still an issue. Why? Because Gezeiro, you might come to be lenient by non-religious names. Rather, Rishim Gamliel is only lenient, Rishim Gamliel is only lenient by a get where it's signed by Goyim, and it's in a city where they don't allow Jews to sign documents. There were certain cities that, out of anti-Semitism, they didn't allow Jews to sign documents. So if it's a get that's signed by a guy and it's in a city where Jews cannot sign, so you know it's a guy with 100% certainty, then it's fine. So Tanya, the Bryce says, Am Rav Allah Zab Rav Yaisi. Rav Allah Zab Rav Yaisi says, Kacham Rav Shimon L'Chacham B'Tzi. Then this is what Shimon said, Loi nechukur Rav Akiva Chachamim, al kol ashtarlis ha'orim berkar shalavi kachavim, shav bishachaysmenim l'chav mekshayrim. Rav Akiva Chacham agree that if you have a loan document that's signed in court, it's fine because Dina Machus Dina. And Gitei Noshim is also okay as long as it's religious names. So, fine, so far so good. According to this Braisa, there's a Machlekes, Rav Akiva Chachamim. What if you have a loan document that's signed outside of court? So it was not written in court. It's machlegis whether it's valid. Now, why would it be valid? Now, when it's in court, it's valid because din machusadina. So we have to recognize their laws. When it's outside of courts, so the chacham say it's a problem because there's no din machusadina outside of court. Rav Akiva says it's fine when it's done outside of court. Why? Because although it's done outside of court, you could bring that document to court, and if he's found to be a liar, he'll have perjury and they would punish him. So he feels that din machusadina extended even for documents that were made outside of court. Fun. Then you have Rishon Gamliel's opinion, and that is, even by a get which has a Goyesha name, like a religious name, is a problem, because Gezerah, you might come to allow non-religious names. Rather, It's only okay if you have a city where they don't allow Jews to sign. So if they don't allow Jews to sign, you know it's signed by a guy. So then... If you know it's signed by a guy, then it's fine. But a religious name is an issue. Gezeri might come to know, use non-religious names. Okay. So the Gemara is a kasha. Malkam sheni sol chayismen nami ligzar atu malkam sheni sol chayismen. Rishinam Lil holds that if you have a guy that has a religious name and he signed it, it's a problem. Why? Gezeri you might come to use to a non-religious name. So we make that Gezeri. When is it mutter? When it's a guy who signs it in no city where they don't let Jews sign. So why don't you say the same thing? If you're assering religious names, Gezerah are to non-religious names, so you should asser a city where they don't let Jews sign, Gezerah you might come to be leaning in a city where they do let Jews sign. If you're going to make Gezerahs to asser all names, why not Gezerahs to asser all cities? So the answer is, Shema b'shema machlif, asser b'asser loy machlif. People are more ready to get confused by names. People are more likely to get confused by names. So if you asser religious names, 
It makes sense to ask the religious names, Gezerah to non-religious names, because people get confused by names. But city to city, people don't get confused. Cities are more clear, and therefore we're not concerned that if you'll be lenient in a certain city, you'll be lenient in a different city. That's not as concerning. Okay. Ravina Ravina, we had before that it's a machloikis. If you have a loan document that's made outside of court with Gaisha signatures, is it okay? So Ravina originally wanted to be lenient to have a loan document which was made by an Armenian gathering. It wasn't a court, but it was where all the wise men got together. So he wanted to be lenient because he felt that Dinamachusadin would extend to this. I'm Lay from and Ravim said, no, it's only lenient in an actual court. I'm a Rava. Rava says. Now, if you remember the end of yesterday's daf, we said that loan documents, you need Dinam Achusadina, but a receipt, it was clear from the Gemara yesterday that a receipt, which is a document that has no actual Kenyan, like a, in a, a receipt for a deed of sale, a receipt that a loan took place, purely there where it's just to, as a receipt for what happened, you actually more room to be leaning. You don't even need the court system for that because there's no koyach to the star at all. So, Rava had the following case. Hai shtara parso, you have a Persian star. So let's say the star says, Avi owes Shlomo a thousand dollars. It's written in Persian, signed by Goyesha Persians, and, but it was passed over, the, it was transferred in the presence of Jews. So the question is, what is the status of this document? Again, it's not in court, but we said yesterday that a document that's merely a receipt, you probably don't even need courts. So it's written in Persian, signed by Persians, but given over in the presence of Jews. So the question is, can you use that document to be goyva choyv, to, 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 to collect the debt? So it says the Gemara, You could collect it from liquid cash and from assets that the person has, but there's no lien on the property. Meaning, if, I owe, if A owes B money, then B can collect from A any cash that he has, he can collect the land that he has, and there's a lien on the property, he could actually go into the to a lien and undo a sale. So if, let's say, Avi owes Yaakov $100, Yaakov can, and then Avi has a land that's $100, and he sells that land to Shimon, Yaakov could go to Shimon and take the land, because there's a lien on the property. This document that was written in Persian, and signed in Persian, but given over in front of Jews, it's a good document that you could collect the debt using the document, but there's no lien on the property. So if, again, Avram owes Yitzchak money, he has his Persian document to attest to it, Yitzchak can collect the money from Avram. But if Avram had property at the time of the loan, and he sold it to, to Yaakov, Yitzchak cannot go to Yaakov and take the property. Now the question is, very strange, because it's like, if it's a good document, you should be able to collect it, if not, not. So says the Gemara, what, what's, the, what's the problem with this Persian, now, Persian document? Now, the Gemara says, well, what's the issue here? Now, again, it's written by Persians, signed by Persians, all by Goyim, but it's given over in the presence of Jews. The question is, do these Jews who saw it being handed over, can they read the document? If they can't read the document, then the fact that they saw it being handed over is meaningless. No, they actually could read it. So they read it, they understood what it meant, and they saw it being handed over. Okay. Apparently a lot of Persians would use documents that was not treated, the paper was not treated, so you could actually erase and doctor the information. Now if that's the case, then obviously it's a bad document. The answer is, It was prepared in such a way that it's not, you couldn't alter it. Okay. Maybe what's wrong with it is, there's a rule that by loan documents, 
you have to summarize the entire loan in the last line. So did they do that? The answer is, they did it. In Meda. So wait, wait a minute. If it's a perfectly good good document, yeah, it's done out of court, but it's a good document, and you could collect, use it to collect the debt. So why is there no lien on the property? Why can't you collect from encumbered property? And the answer is less like color. The answer is because it was done outside of court. There's no, there's no knowledge. The word did not get out. Meaning, again, Avram borrowed money from Yitzchak, a thousand dollars. Avram then sold land to Yaakov. The question is, can Yitzchak go to Yaakov and use this star to collect the debt? So, because this was not written in court, no one knew about it. So, when Yaakov bought the land from Avram, he had no idea there was a lien on the property. Because he had no idea on the lien on the property, we're not going to have his 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 land be be taken from him. See, if it was done in court and everyone knew about the lien, and then Yaakov took the risk, okay, buyer beware, the, the property might be taken from you, and Yitzchak can collect it from Yaakov using the lien. But because this was done outside of court, while it's a good document that you could collect the debt, we're not going to go to someone who bought the land and take the land from the guy because he had no idea. It's not like it's not like he could have Googled, like, you know, is there a deed of sale? Is there a lien on the property? There was no way to check. When it's done in court, word gets out. Call it Islay. There's a word gets out, so you could there's a lien on the property. But if there's if it's not done in court, you can't say there's a lien on the property. No one knows about it. Okay. Now the Gemara says like this. Go to the next page. Rishlakish asks the following Kasha Here's the halacha. We said before that according to Rav Shimon, if Goyim sign a document, a get, again, you don't need Adam, but it's signed by a guy. So he said, if it's a religious name, then it's fine. Because everyone knows they're Goyim, and no one would use it by other documents. So according to Rav Shimon, you sort of want clarity. You either want really Jewish, or really religious Christian. What about a regular Goyish name? Now the problem with a Goyish name is, it might be a guy, but it also might be a Jew who has a Goyish name. Because of that, that could be an issue. So the Gemara says, You have Edom that are signed to get. Again, you don't need the Edom to sign the get because it follows Rav Lazar. Rav Lazar, the Edom is Sirikarati, but, but the people are signed on the get. Now, this is a get that's brought within Israel. You'll see why this is important in a moment. So within Israel, a get appears and it has Goyish names. It's handed over in front of Jews, but the get is signed by Goyish names, not religious Goyish names, but Goyish names. Mahu, what's the halacha? Do we say that because it's Goyish names, it's probably Goyim, so it's fine? Or do you say, no, maybe it's a Jew who has a Goyish name? So it's not like Christian, it's like John or Jay or Brad or Michael. W- what's the deal with that? So, we looked into it, and the only two names that are not religious but are Goyish that we're cool with is Lucas and Lus. The only reason why those are okay is because no Jews go by their name, therefore, clearly Goyish, and you're not going to apply by other documents. But other names that are Goyish, where Jews could have it, it's an issue because it's not clear. You don't want it to be where you're not sure whether it's Jewish or Goyish, because then they'll use it by other documents. So you're telling me non-religious Goyish names are an issue. The Bryce is Gitan Abom Dina Sayam. If you have a, a get that comes from Chutzla Aretz, the Aidim Khasum and Alayan, and it's signed, and the Aidim are Afabishmay same Kishmay Savikhavim, Goyesha names, Kisharim it's kosher. Why? Because the majority of Jews in Chutzlarts would go by Gaiisha names. So Gaiisha names from Chutzlaaretz means you're Jewish. Why? While it's true that most listen, if you if you have the average person in America that's named John is a guy. But this is a John who signed the get. In Chutzlaaretz, in Chutzlaaretz, 
the Jews of Chutzlarz went by Goyish names. So the majority, while the majority of Johns in Chutzlarz are Goyim, the majority of Johns that sign Gitin are Jews. So therefore, we're Makel because you want clarity. So if it's a Jewish name, it's a Jew. If it's a religious Christian, it's a guy. A Goyish name from Chutzlarz was Jewish. They were Jews. That, 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 that's 100% that they were Jews. Because why else would a guy sign again? So it says the Gemara, so you're telling me that a Goyish name is an issue. I thought it's fine. The answer is, The answer is, over there it's different. Over there the get came from Chutzlarz. And in Chutzlarz, the average Jew had a Goyish name. But the Kasha we were talking about when we were Machmer is when the get comes within Eretz Yisrael. Eretz Yisrael, the Jews went by Jewish names. So now if you have a name, you know, John on a get in Eretz Yisrael, that's a problem. Because I don't know if they're Jewish or not. Because while it's true that most people that sign Gittin are Jewish, but most people in Eretz Yisrael don't have Goyish names. So because it's unclear, it's an issue. And Ikadami, some have a different version. Some say no, that it was a kasha of whether you could have a Goyish name in Eretz Yisrael, and this Bryce has said that it's mutter. So either it's uh, Eretz Yisrael's a problem and Chutzlar's is mutter, or both are mutter. Okay, fine. Last sugya. Sugya is like this. There's a concept called Zachan Ladim Shleibafanov, which means I'm allowed to do a Kenyan for someone else without asking his permission as long as it's beneficial to the guy. I find a, a gold ring on the floor, I could pick it up and have in mind for my friend to acquire for my friend because it's a win win. But I can't do something that's detrimental to him. So the question is like this If you give a get, you send a shliach. A guy, a, guy, a guy wants to give a get to his wife. So he gives a shliach and he says, deliver it to my wife. The question is, can the shliach acquire it for the wife? So the answer is no. Because being divorced is detrimental. It's not a chus. It's not a good thing for her. It's detrimental for her. So therefore, it's not a divorce until it reaches her hand. He can't acquire it for her because that's called a chayv. You cannot acquire something detrimental for the person without their consent. So it's not a divorce until it reaches his hand. So if the husband gives a, div- a divorce to the wife, to Shliach, to deliver to the wife, he could re- say, I changed my mind, I changed my mind, because it's not a divorce until it reaches her hand. The question our mission is going to be dealing with, the Machlechus, is what if I give a, an emancipation document to a Shliach to deliver to my non-Jewish slave? Can he acquire it for the slave? In other words, is it better for the slave to be a non-Jewish slave or a free Jew? That's the question. If it's better for the non-Jewish slave to be a slave, and him being free is detrimental, then he can't acquire it for him, and therefore I could renege until it reaches the slave's hands. If being a free man is better, then it's a schus, and zachin lav the he could acquire it on his behalf. So in other words, is it better from a practical standpoint, from a halachic perspective, from a practical standpoint, is it better for someone to be a slave, a non-Jewish slave, or a free Jew? So the Gemara, the Mishnah says, If you hand the get to a shliach and say, deliver it to my wife, or or you give an emancipation document to a slave, to a shliach to deliver to the slave, Ramir says, both are considered detrimental. And therefore, it's not a divorce or an emancipation until it reaches the slave or the woman's hand. And therefore, until it reaches their hand, you could renege. The Chum Oymrim, they say no. The Chum say no. A divorce, I agree, is detrimental, but being free is better. So it's his chus. So he could acquire it, so someone could actually acquire it on behalf of the slave. Because being free is better. 
Now, why does Rameyer, so in, in essence, is the Machlekes Rameyer and the Chachamim, is it better to be a slave or to be free? Now, why, is it, why would, would Rameyer say it's better to be a slave and, and being free is detrimental? For two reasons. First of all, slaves are fed. By him being free, he's financially responsible for himself. Why do the Rabbana respond to that? Because they say it's better to be free. So says the Mishnah, the Rabbanon said, you want to know why it's better to be, uh, to be free? What are you going to say? That it's better to be a slave because you're fed. You don't have to feed your slave. While it's a mitzvah to feed your slave, if you don't, he doesn't go free because of that. So because he doesn't have to be fed, so he could be hungry, he could be, what are you concerned that when he's free? He'll be poor? He could be poor as a slave. He doesn't have to be fed anyway. So therefore it's better for him to be free. Says Rameyer, Rameyer says, no, it's better to be a slave. Why? Wait a minute. What if he's a slave owned by a Kayan? So he gets to eat Truma. And he could collect Truma from anyone that gives it to him. But now when you free him, he can't get Truma anymore. That's detrimental. So therefore, I think it's detrimental to be free. So Amrlai, they said to him, over there it's different. By you freeing him, it's not that you're canceling his truma, you're just freeing him and he no longer can get truma. So the Gemara is going to explain what, how that response is. But basically, that's a reason why it would be detrimental to be free, because you no longer can uh, collect truma. Okay. So it's a machloikis. If I send a, an emancipation document to my non-Jewish slave through a shliach, can the shliach acquire it for the slave? It's a machloikis rabbanon and rameir. So the Gemara says like this: Yosef, Rav Huna, Rav Yitzchak, Bar Yosef, Kamei Rav Yirmiyah. Rav Huna, Rav Yitzchak, Bar Yosef were sitting in front of Rav Huna, Rav Yirmiyah. Rav Yosef, Rav Yirmiyah, Rav Yirmiyah was sleeping, nodding off. So while he's sleeping, the Yosef, Rav Huna, Bekamar. Rav Huna said the following opinion: Shmami nami the Rabbanon. You can learn out from the Rabbanon's opinion. Hatayvus about Chayiv Kana. Shaila like this: We know that if someone is if 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 Avram owes Yitzchak money. Yitzchak can take the money that's owed to him. He could grab it, even without the person's consent. He's it. You could grab it. The question is, can someone else grab it for the person owed? So you have Avram owes Yitzchak money. Can Yaakov go and take the money on behalf of Yitzchak? Does it work? So, Rav Huna said, Rav Huna said, we could learn out from a Mishnah. What's the case? Right, so you have Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. Avram owes Yitzchak money. The question is, can Yaakov take the money from Avram on behalf of Yitzchak? Can he do? So he said, "Well, think about it. Right now, the Rabbanon Shita is that you have Avram, and there's a slave, and he gives the emancipation document to Yitzchak. Yitzchak can acquire it for the slave. Can acquire the slave's freedom on behalf of the slave. In essence." The slave's freedom is something sort of owed to him. It's like, it's like the same way. I could uh, the same way the shliach can acquire the slave's freedom for the slave. So too, Avram, you know, so I could acquire money that you're owed for you. He's equating the two. See, so he says like this. Yep. Okay, meaning that, that's the point. He's equating the two concepts. That he's looking at it. Yeah. He's looking at it like this. 
this, the fact that a person could acquire the slave's freedom for the slave, it's sort of looking at it as like the slave is owed money, so to speak. He's owed his freedom. Not that he's or his right, but and he's acquiring it for him and it works. So why can't I acquire money that you're owed for you? Why not? So you're learning it out from the Mishnah. Because you're looking at it as by you acquiring the 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 star for the for the thing that you know it's not much the same case, but instead of star, think of money. So if you're able to acquire the star for the slave without being asked, so too I could acquire your debt. I could collect your debt for you without asking. So the Gemara says that's what Funa said. So I'm going to be Yosef. So if you're going to compare it, well, think about it. What if, you see, in the case of the money owed, Avram owes Yitzchak money. He owes him $1,000. The question is, can Yaakov just go to Avram and grab the money for Yitzchak? So you want to compare it to the slave. Now, the case of the slave, the acquisition is actually due to the detriment of someone. Who? The owner. Right? When you're acquiring the slave's freedom for the slave, it's hurting somebody. It's hurting the owner. So if you're actually going to... Comp- the Mishnah is the source that you could acquire money for someone that's owed without, his, without him asking you. That would mean that even if it's to the detriment of someone else, meaning, I'll give you the following case. I owe, I owe Yaakov $1,000. The question is, can someone come into my property and acquire free for Yaakov? So you want to learn enough on the mission that you can. What if I owe Yaakov and Yitzchak a thousand dollars? I owe two different people a thousand dollars. Can you come and acquire the money for one of them? So by you acquiring it, let's say for Avram, you're hurting Yitzchak because I only have a thousand dollars. I owe two people a thousand dollars. You're acquiring it for one, which is to the detriment of someone else. So if you're going to look at the Mishnah as being the source that you could acquire debt for someone, you could collect debt for someone without, without them asking, then the same way in the Mishnah it works, even to the detriment of the owner, so too that would mean that you could collect debt for someone, even to the detriment of someone else. So the Gemara says, in, yeah. Meaning if this is the source, that would mean that you could be Taifis of Al-Chayv, I could acquire money that's owed to you, even if it's to the detriment of someone else. So this is what they come, that was the conclusion. Now, while all of this is happening, Rav Yirmi is sleeping. But now, Itar Rav Yirmi, Rav Yirmi wakes up, and he hears what they're saying. So, Amr Leid Dardaki says, Children, Hachim Rav Yechanan, Rav Yechanan said, not like that, Atayv is the Balchayv, Makshin Chal Bacharim, Loikan. No, I cannot acquire, I cannot grab money that you're owed if it's to the detriment of someone else. I, in the mission, that seems to be what happens, right? You give it to the Shliach, the Shliach acquires it for the slave, and it works even to the detriment of the owner. The answer is in Masisan, The difference is the case of the Mishnah, the reason why it works is because I handed him the document, which means I wanted him to take it and deliver it. So I was acknowledged. So it's sort of like I'm giving it over to that guy. And the, you want you can't compare the Mishnah to the other case. The other case is Yitzchak is breaking into my property to acquire the money for Avram. So when there's someone else that's owed, you can't do that. I, the Mishnah, you can. It's to the detriment of the other. The Mishnah owner handed the document over to the Shliach. It was the equivalent of a saying to the Shliach, acquire it. It's not the same. He gave consent. So here, in essence, we have a Shiloh. Can I acquire money that you're owed? Can I take the money for you without your consent, without your knowledge, when it's detriment to other debtors, to other people that he's owed? So he says, 
Whether that's allowed is banim machlekes or v'laz of rabbanon. I think it's tali in the machlekes or v'laz in the rabbanon. What's the machlekes? It's not. Misha likeres apeya. We know this peya. Peya means you have to leave a corner of the field for poor people. Let's say you have a whole city of poor people, and you have a wealthy guy. The wealthy guy has a friend who's poor, so he goes into the the backyard of somebody, takes all the peya, picks it up, and acquires it for his friend who's poor. Does that work? So that's that's mamish the shaila. I'm collecting something, sort of like a debt, whatever, for a specific person. I'm acquiring it for him without his knowledge, without his consent. I'm doing it for a specific poor person to the detriment of others, which is the other poor people. Does that work? It's a machlekes. Misha look at a pay. If a wealthy person picks up pay by maharezi l'pleniani, I'm acquiring it for a specific person on his behalf. Revelazar mezach. Revelazar says it works. It does not work, and you have to give it to the first poor person. And it seems to be machlagis tanayim, and tomorrow the Gemara will analyze whether this is true.